0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where we risk our eyesight by squinting at the tiny figures on picture postcards and deciphering the spidery writing on the back as we explore the memories, meanings and stories of picture postcards. I'm Tom Jackson, and today the podcast might sound slightly different from usual. Uh, Unusually, we have an audience. Hard to hear (laughs) them. Sorry, that should have read, we have an unusual audience. (laughs) And that's because we're recording this episode not at Wardour Studios, uh, in the palatial studios there, but in south-east London at the Bookseller Crow, where I'm delighted to say my guests are music writer and now memoirist Luke Turner and legendary travel journalist Simon Calder. Simon and Luke, hello and welcome. Hello. A pleasure to be here. Now, Luke Turner is a writer, editor and curator. He co-founded and edits the highly influential online music magazine, Portal, Entity, The Quietus. And he also writes about music in other places. Um, But most recently, Luke has written his first proper book, Out of the Woods, a moving, disturbing, at times brutal memoir about the forests that we try to escape and the forests we need to explore to understand who we are and who we can be. I hope hope Luke approves of that. That's great, thank you. (laughs) You can write that on the back of the paperback. (laughs) More about the woods and how they've mapped Luke's life later, I suspect. Uh, Luke comes to us this evening with a rather smudged postmark. <laughs> um, part Bradford, part Epping
2: Forest. Is that right? That's about right. I was born in Bradford, but I don't think I can claim to be truly northern anymore, as you can probably hear. Um, so I kind of claim... Reclaiming Essex, because that's kind of where my family are from. So I've, I've shifted my identity. My postcards has been yeah, erased and reforged back on the card. Interesting. Very good. Now, Luke, do you still send postcards? Yeah, it occurred to me on the track down here that I I could have just bought a postcard that I've made for the book. I took a used a picture I took in the forest. What a cheat! And made it into a postcard to send out to people with the book. And I and I wanted to have a specific thing of like I wanted the postcard the design to be looked like one of those ones you get like you know eight for a pound in a, in a kind of shop where they, the sweets are stuck together and they sell fags to children. Um, so, yeah, I do, and I've been sending that's quite That's my lot bread those. and butter, yeah. those cards. Well, that's, that's what I was going for, so I'll just screw one up a little bit and then I'll post one to you when I get home.
1: But when did you last send one, Luke? I suppose uh, these promotional ones, these, are they?
2: Yeah, they're not promotional. They've got lovely messages on, you know. Um, but you're probably one of them the other week, I think, yeah. Definitely. Very good, very good. It's nice that postcards are still being used to promote books and so on. I think, yeah, I think I think it's that personalisation thing. There's an amazing group called British Sea Power, and they used to sort of send postcards, old postcards, but like the ones you deal in, to journalists with a grid reference, and they had to go to the grid reference to be picked up in a van and taken away to an interview, which and I just love that. I think I wish more people would be that creative, really.
3: Sounds a bit like the
1: Taliban.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of were when they started, but in British Army. Musically quite different, I think. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, You heard Simon Calder there. Um, uh, Simon started to hitchhike at the age of 12, and he hasn't really stopped moving since. Uh, Hitching, cycling, occasionally taking a flight. Um, He has genuinely travelled the world, uh, writing books about uh, large parts of it, uh, working as travel editor for The Independent and presenting, you've seen him on television, um, for The Travel Show and Holiday and popping up elsewhere. If, when a pop star dies, Paul Gambaccini jumps in an Uber to the TV studio... When a travel company goes bust... <laughs> ..or an airline goes down, it's Simon that the news producers ring for an expert comment. And luckily, he's always got the latest, most practical advice. Now, Simon comes to us today bearing a RH10 postmark from Crawley.
3: Yes. And what's wrong with that? <laughs> we're, we're here in Crystal Palace. It was actually Crystal Palace, of course, the nearest proper football team to Crawley. So therefore, if you wanted to uh, uh, go and go and see some real football, you would come here.
1: Well, I, I know some Crawley Town fans who perhaps wouldn't agree with John you. fight? <laughs> so Simon, when did you last send a postcard?
3: Ah, well, I. It, it, it's one of those things, Tom, where I send postcards. I love postcards. I always have, but I send them. I buy them for, um, I, I unlike you, um, call me quaint, but I buy them without any writing on them. <laughs> and I, I write Hello. messages and send them to people. I don't buy them by the three or four thousands. And I, I do, if um, I hear something, you know, if I, I don't know, I hear a good podcast, I don't know if you know any, I will try and write a note to the producer of that podcast to uh, thank them for it. But in terms of actual postcards from places I go to, I'm very, very happy to buy them as kind of mementos. And that's, of course, an entirely different seam of the postcard empire and keep them. But the number of people I used to send postcards to my dear parents,
1: sadly, they have passed away. So it's really the mother-in-law. She gets postcards.
4: Yeah, that's it. But you
1: could have you could have furnished, for example, your mother-in-law with the most amazing collection with all your travels. You have missed yeah. an opportunity there.
4: Well, uh,
3: except of course, they are entirely banal. The messages, <laughs> uh, 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 nothing to match the. Uh, well, we did have an earthquake last summer, uh, actually, uh, but nothing to, uh, to to match those. We, 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 we just um, you, you communicate in a in a happy way, mostly.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we discover the cards that Simon and Luke have brought along, um, I'll give you a quick one of mine. Um... You've not seen too many this evening. And this is, uh, of course, the postcard from the past card. Like it on Twitter, uh, at past postcard and in the book. An old card from which I've selected just a part of the message. So it's a card of uh, Marlborough, St Mary's Church Tower. Uh, quite good if you like looking at old shoe shops as well, I think. <laughs> um, and a bit of the message that interested me, I, I, just the way it's written, really, the phrase. It says, I don't want to sound cheeky, but have you remembered we're vegetarians?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, what I love about this car, Tom, if I may, is the fact that it looks really dated, but actually, sadly, um, a bit of sort of technical knowledge, the road signs, which have been almost but not quite cropped out, show that it was actually probably no no later than... Um, uh, Sorry, no earlier than about 1980.
1: I think you're probably right. The stamp 13p suggests...
3: Oh, 13p, you see. Ah, oh, crikey. Mm. This, yeah. is, this
1: is amazing forensic detail you're uh, <laughs> discovering.
3: How did the postcard world cope with, um, uh, with, with decimalisation? Um, a concept which, of course, nobody here is old enough to remember, <laughs> but <laughs> apart from you and I.
1: Well... Yes, I, I, I think just one day it changed, didn't it? I think well, it was, it, it was it, very but, absolute.
3: But look, if we're on if we're on prices, if we're on postage, I, I've I've the, the, these are guest postcards as opposed to the extras, the the, the, the ones I provided. Sneak earlier. them in, sneak them in. But but look, here we have a message um, which is printed on this postcard, uh, which is um, the Scotsman's purse. There's a sporran, and that's what's <laughs> underneath it. Um, but well, the message it. printed upon it. Don't show the people at the back. Is. No message here but complimentary greetings such as best wishes in addition to the sender's name and address allowed for a halfpenny. Postage, otherwise letter post. So you could, you were limited to saying best wishes and putting your name and address on. If you wanted to write anything more profound, then... Um, I'm not sure how long, long that lasted, more.
1: that rule, that you, you really couldn't send any useful information.
3: Well, this was a lovely postcard from my father to my grandfather... And the message says, and I can probably carbon date it, he was born in 1931. Uh, Dear Daddy, I have skated across the lock three times. I hope you are very well. Love, Nigel. So, oh. let's say 1939. Very um, good. Yes. So, uh, th- there we are. If you had a halfpenny in um, 1939, you could post a card, but as, uh, you couldn't
1: write very much on it. But that one actually was put in an envelope by the looks of it. It was, yes. So it never, or or it...
3: taken home in, in order to avoid having to pay more than eight. Minutes, <laughs> since there's a lot
1: more than... than oh, no, than... I've written that yeah. effusive message. Yes. I can't afford to send it. Exactly. That must have happened a lot. Yes. Well, I should let you know, uh, images of all the cards we discussed today are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, uh, and you can check for yourself that we are not making any of this up. Um, <laughs> now, rather than do another past postcard now, uh, I brought another card... Um, something different a card of local interest um, and this is a card um, of Crystal Palace so you can see it here it, it's a joke card It's a joke on it and I don't really get the joke um, I've got a sound proposition before me at Crystal Palace and the sound is the baby crying I suppose yeah. but I, I, it's it's like a joke that doesn't really have a punch what's light. under the flap, though? <laughs> What a question to ask! Him.
4: <laughs>
1: well, under the flap is, and I think really only my guests will get to enjoy this, oh. a series of oh, views yeah. of London, none of which are Crystal Palace. No, every other picture <laughs> is a Crystal Palace. It's a kind of monomanic view of London. I'll go to Trafalgar <laughs> Square, Crystal Palace. <laughs> Perhaps the Houses of Parliament, Crystal Palace, and and so it goes on, but. Um, yeah, the Photocrom Company of London and Tunbridge Wells uh, produced that card. Sort of I
3: think pull we out need novelty. to say, just in case people are listening to the podcast from afar, that the Crystal Palace that gave Crystal Palace its name is very sadly not here. It was only here for about 10 minutes <laughs> was it? In, in the mid-19th century, I think.
1: Burnt down in 1936, I
4: think. 36. Yes. There we are, experts from the, in the audience. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the glass ran down Annerley Hill. So they say, Have't we all? Uh, now) <laughs> Now Luke and Simon, you've been kind enough to come onto the studio today with some postcards of your own. Luke,
2: let's start with you. What's the first
1: card uh, you want to show us?:
2: Yes, this is. People, I don't know if people are the, quite the right age here, but in in the 90s, when I was uh, uh, buying CDs a lot, you know, as people used to back in the day, um, you always used to get these postcards in them uh, to 3 Alviston Place, Leamington Spa. And it was really bizarre. Like, but I, that I isn't Luke's had this, finger, by the way. No, sorry. this is, That's yeah, well, I did, I did wear nail varnish quite a lot back in those days. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I probably had that exact one from a pulp CD, suede, um, groups like that, and it was like really weird. because She go, "Well, every single one of these postcards is going to three Alveston Place, Leamington Spa. Is this some incredible place where all of the music industry is? It's like Branderson Anderson from Swayze sat there uh, being fruity. We were having a chat with Jarvis Cocker as they sort through the postcards, and they all get added. And you know, what happens if you go there? Can you get a job with a pop pop star? Can you join a band? Is it? Is this what this is all about? Um and it was and then they just stopped because you know whatever happened, I think email databases started happening and and so on, and so I thought when when Tom asked me to do a, a kind of a music related postcard, I kind of remembered these and thought there'd be a they, they were just such an oddity. of I mean, literally every single CD had them in. And so I went on Google Maps and I looked up uh, Three Albertson Place, as you can now. I mean, back then you'd have had to get an A AA, to Z map of Leamington Spa, and who'd want to do that? Um, so and, what did and you discover? It's just, it's, right, it's disappointing. There's, oh. there's, you know, it's, it's just a, a fairly functional office unit. Um, and who ran this then? Were they, were they
1: running it for one record company? What? Or across different record companies? I think
2: it must have been some organisation where, as a record label, back in the day when they had money, because people were buying CDs, you could subscribe to this service that these gullible teenagers would write to. <laughs> and and then um, you'd um, probably send them... I don't know what we got sent back. Probably those, those things we used to get buy 10 CDs. And, and that was another thing. you could get 10 CDs for the price of one or a pound and teenagers would kind of go, oh, this is great, and send it off with their parents' details and then not realising they'd sign them up to sort of probably still paying off the CD debt, even though barely anybody makes CDs anymore.
1: But I, w- I wonder if they were actually harvesting your data, if this was the beginning of the Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> they, they, they've got your details, they can bombard you for, for months. Yeah, the, the indie Cambridge Analytica, yeah, that's probably it. When you, t- when you mentioned you were going to bring one of these, I looked through my CD collection and this is a Matter of enormous shame, really. Um, the only CD I could find that had one of these in, partly because it's never been opened, is East 17 Up All Night.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> un- un- unplayed, open to any offers. And someone bought it for me because I'm. I'm I'd, funnily enough, it came out just when i started collecting postcards. And I was collecting postcards of Piccadilly Circus. Still not an area I'm interested in, really. And it had a picture of Piccadilly Circus in a lenticular image. Mm. And uh, inside, lo and behold,
2: East 17, Harrington, Dock, Liverpool. I'm shocked by this. Yeah. It must have been a, a rival. There must have been another company, a load of Scousers, set one up to try and take on <laughs> take on Leamington Scar, Spa. You know, we, can do, we, we can do better than those Better and soft, cheaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: But, but, um, sorry, a bit of uh, postcode data. You live in East I, 17. I do live
2: in East so I won't have any bad words against yeah. East 17. But, you uh, but <laughs> if you're
3: East 17, why isn't the postcode East 17, as opposed to L70, was it?
1: Oh well, that's that's in Liverpool. That, that's, no, yeah, no, in because Liverpool, they weren't there. That's the thing, you know. Oh. Okay, so it's all a big scam. Yes. E seventeen is a word.
2: L seventy is a real postcode. Yes. Mm.
1: Well, no one will ever know. But I suppose it's all been taken over by email databases now.
2: Yes, I think, and that's big money in the uh, music world these days. Uh. And did you write to any of these people? Oh yeah, loads. I've sent loads of postcards to. I mean, pop stars were quite inaccessible back then. You didn't have social media and you only read about what they were doing in the NME and even then it was kind of very coded, like who was on heroin was very (laughs) sort of vague rather than it being used as marketing, (laughs) as (laughs) as it is now. You know, is, is that
1: your editorial policy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, we, we, we've...
2: Uh, quietus is very... We we keep a reserve silence about it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely sent a lot of these postcards off, yeah. But what did a you get of, back? load of junk, I think, to right. be honest, yeah. You never got anything That was the thing. I think Not you sent the these things exists. off thinking I'm going to get... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would have... Even in the 90s, it would have been that. But, yeah, you, you kind of hoped something might happen, but I don't think it ever did. So it
1: was it was a, a slightly sad attempt to make a connection but it didn't really ever didn't really work. you
2: had to pay an extra tenor and join the fan club kind of right. thing but yeah
1: very good well that's uh, an interesting and different kind of postcard very good now simon with all your traveling you you've told us you collect postcards as a memento from mm. your trips you must have thousands um uh, yeah well yes but but of course these are not postcards as in
3: postcards from the past no, because they all they, count they, well, no, but they, they, I, they, I don't have profound uh, messages on them. So, <laughs> what's, the, what's the first one you've got for us, the proper so, so one? The, the first one is, this is Guernsey, St Peterport. Um, who's been there? Hands up, please. Ooh, OK. So, with the greatest respect, and um, we've got about uh, a quarter of the audience here, and I think some of you would have been alive when this postcard was um, taken... <laughs> Actually it, it, again here we have a postcard which which looks older than it is. Um, but very often the case. Very well, often yeah, the, case. The, the cars you will see a, a kind of Mark 1 Fiesta there which I think places it as some um, kind of late 70s. A Morris Traveller
1: there,
3: isn't it? Yeah. Um, but so, you
1: your connection with this place is from earlier.
3: Oh oh yes. Um, so Uh, Growing up in Crawley, as you say, and uh, about a mile and a half from the runway at Gatwick Airport, which I know everybody here will know and love, um, gateway to the world. Uh, In 1962... Um, it was apparently on the uh, list of targets, understandably, from the Kremlin. Uh, you might recall, uh, well, some people might here, here might recall. You obviously wouldn't, Tom. So Luke certainly wouldn't. The Cuba <laughs> Missile Crisis of 1962. Um, it was so exciting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the historians <laughs> agree.
4: <laughs>
3: So Cuba, of course, had gone a bit wrong from the uh, Washington DC point of view. 1959, New Year's Day, Fidel Castro, aided and abetted with Che Guevara, overthrew the hated Batista regime and installed themselves. And they decided within a few months they were going to become a communist regime propped up by the Kremlin, which actually saw them through the next couple of decades. But the Kremlin obviously wanted something in return, and that was, please can we use... Your lovely island has is somewhere to install some nuclear weapons, because <laughs> uh, we've noticed you're only 90 miles from Miami. And uh, Fidel, I, I uh, presumably said yes, and uh, all these missiles were steaming towards um, Cuba uh, aboard Russian ships, and um, well, the world was probably closer to nuclear Armageddon, which means that Crawley was closer to nuclear <laughs> Armageddon than, than ever. And uh, my lovely parents um, uh, thought, uh, OK, so we, we, we have, um, at the time, four children. Um, we live uh, very close to this um, this airport, which evidently is going to be targeted in the event of a nuclear war. We better Scarpa. So, um, unbelievably, particularly given the um, constantly strained family finances, they bought tickets on British European Airways to the furthest place they could get. <laughs> um and that afford uh, uh, to get and that was um guernsey
4: <laughs>
3: so um when when you were 6 it was quite difficult to understand the nuances of international politics all you knew that was first of all you had been on an aeroplane secondly you were somewhere really exotic and i give you st Peterport. and from that moment onwards, and uh, being six actually, 1962, a great year for me. Uh, later on that year, my um, uh, parents dispatched me and my sister, who had just turned eight, to the Lake District on a woodcraft folk outing. Oh. Oh. and that uh, by by the time you've you've done that, two of those things in one year, right? I'm <laughs> just I just want to travel. Funnily enough, at the time, Crawley wasn't the most exciting place on the planet. <laughs> Obviously, it is now. Um,
1: but uh, but but that's that's. Kind of set me up, but that—that's an amazing story. So, what made your parents think we've got to vacate? Cr- Not the whole street wasn't leaving. No, uh, well, it was the A23. So,
3: if, 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 if the whole street had left, that would have been quite exciting at the airport. Um, no, uh, they, they genuinely looked at it from a risk assessment point of view and thought we have to do everything we can to protect our children uh, let's fly them somewhere else um and and uh, later on in life my father met other people kind of in in the US who had done exactly the same thing really shipped out for a week until uh Fidel and oh gosh I'm going to say Khrushchev yes. and and um uh, Kennedy all had got on the phone and sorted sorted stuff out
1: so while you were out uh... In the Channel Islands, were you all glued to the wireless, waiting for well, you all clear?
3: Dare say my my parents were. We were having the time <laughs> of our lives. It was it was so exciting. I can't tell you. Um, yes, yeah, so so Guernsey
1: always always on my mind. Very good. <laughs> what a what a fascinating uh, insight into a sort of semi-forgotten world. Well, the personal insight into um, a bit of history. Very good. Very good. Um, another quick card from me now. Um, this is uh, Leicester. Uh, actually, also very good if you like shoe shops. Peter Lord, yeah. Um And yeah, this is an odd one. A 1985. It looks a lot earlier than that, doesn't it? Yeah. Gosh, how time plays tricks on you. Thank you for the flannel and sponge, barrel.
4: <laughs>
1: I found my specs case inside my checkbook holder. But can't find my tweezers now. What a woman!
4: <laughs>
1: so, um, really, not as as, as 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 kind of geopolitically important as oh, oh, No, no, it
3: certainly <laughs> is. If, if you look at this postcard, which of course is uh, <laughs> going to be available um, online, you can see just past there is the uh, uh, headquarters of Thomas Cook during the uh, back end of the 19th century. And there is an incredible relief, which looks like something from from a Greek or a Roman palace of all the marvelous uh, uh, images that uh, that travel conjures up.
1: Good Lord. And you visited it, presumably. Yeah, of course.
0: (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast, and my guests today are travel journalist Simon Calder and writer Luke Turner. Now, Luke, time, I think, for your second card. Now, Luke, Luke's card here is not in his pocket. It's in no, his no. memory and his heart, and it's also going to be on the screen. Um, so I've got three picture, three images for you, Luke. We'll start with a wide, and we'll get closer to the message. So can you tell us, there's a lot to explain, but why we're looking at a load of old postcards and where that fits into your story and your book and and
2: um. yeah the, so the book i 've just written is kind of has as its setting and framework epping forest just to the northeast of london, and part of the initial research when it was originally going to be a book about uh, the social history of the forest and the people of the forest, and it 's ended up being a book about sex and and religion, really, which is kind of a bit of a twist, but along the way. <laughs> That is partly because we'd always had this rumour in my family that we were descended from an aristocrat who lived in one of the big houses up in the forest and he'd knocked up his housekeeper, we, this was what we were told, and they'd had a son who was promoted incredibly quickly through the ranks of the servants and ended up doing quite well and becoming a farm steward um, because I think the whoever the toff was felt a bit bad about what he'd done. And so when I was researching the book, my dad's cousin said, well, I've got a big shoebox of postcards up in my loft. Would you like to have a look at them? So we borrowed them off her and I went through and it was amazing really, just by process of elimination and looking at names and dates, I was able to sort of trace back my great grandfather to being a farm steward uh, in High Beach in, uh, near, in Epping Forest to the, in the late uh, 19th and early 20th century. And I could find where he moved after that. And it was sort of this incredible detective Easy detective work, a really good fun that the postcards allowed me to do to put him in the right place at the right time. I they are dates, they've got exactly. places on them. Yeah, and some of them... You know, it's very interesting the way you're saying about the, sort of the snapshot nature of postcards. Like one of his sons lived in Stratford, and they just wrote a postcard saying, ''Got home quickly.'' <laughs> train was fine you know and they'd send that next day or they'd send a postcard saying gonna come tomorrow don't bother making a cake things things like this these just very fast like text messages really but on the front would be you know a picture of a, a Kew Gardens some really racist ones um, <laughs> and racist then, pictures really oh. racist pictures from Stratford very odd and, and from around the world, because there was this sort of whole loop of p- different people who were writing to my ancestor in the farm, who were his servants and all sorts. He'd obviously kind of got to quite a high status. And through these postcards, I could trace him on a birth certificate and uh, baptism records, where I found that he didn't have a father mentioned on any of these official records of his life. And he was born to a very poor woman who was from the uh, sort of row called Irish Row in East Ham, when it was just fields, really, so sort of very, very. In fact, it was called Irish Row Probably meant she was a very poor woman. So it seemed that all the evidence that from these postcards meant the rumor was actually true. And that's the first time you'd got any kind of sense that this wasn't just chat. Yeah, exactly. We just didn't. There was no way of proving it. And I, I've always been quite fascinated by sort of family and where you come from and things like. That. No, it's a kind of fairly common thing as. You know Danny Dyer um well proves um <laughs> but it was just it was amazing to actually have instead of just officialdom these these kind of very very simple messages, and just a lovely tone. that's why I picked this one this just church high Beach is where the rumor was that a lot of our family were connected to, and I won't give it away what how the kind of the relationship <laughs> with that church develops. It's all in the book. but it just keeps recurring in the family story. My granny did a painting of it probably in the fifties or sixties.
1: Can you read that one for
2: us? Uh, It says, Dear Dad, I thought this might interest you. Heard a fine talk about High (coughs) Beach on the wireless on Tuesday. Or on wireless, she says. Had a nice day at the show. Loved you all. Love, Eve. That Mm. was...
3: And Tom, I'm assuming that you can deduce from the stamp, which looked unfamiliar to me, what... what, uh... Era, oh, I need to,
1: I'm not a philatelist.
2: I'd have to look it up. But, yes, I'm sure it can be done. Um, yeah, it's early 20th century, that one, because I would know who he, Eve was by Dad's auntie, I think. Is there not a, um, a date on it? We can go back There one. is on the postmark, maybe. Who's got
3: good eyes? George V, we're, we're thinking? I think so. Yeah, so that that would be... Um, OK, audience, George V, his years, please.
4: 1910
3: onwards. 1910 onwards? Is he still king? <laughs> Thirty-six. Okay, good. Yeah, I but, think went right. to the
1: twenties by the looks of it. Nineteen thirty-six.
3: Right. Thank you. Okay.
2: So they they were they did keep coming up in the process of doing the book postcards. There was another one I found of Wanstead Park, which is in the south of the forest, and it's of a. A sort of caddish looking gentleman with his cane at a somewhat jaunty angle, <laughs> talking to a woman, and there's a path going suggestively into the woods, and it says uh, the air agrees with me in Monsted Park. It says in the front. Um, and that then became that's another of the themes of, of the book is this sort of what what the woods conceal and, and hide. And there's obviously this sort of nudge nudge wink wink aspect to that which goes right by the way back to, to Shakespeare, really, in, in England. And probably before. Probably before,
1: yeah. And you've, your, your book is—is is, I can't summarise it. There's a lot in it, but it's a cliche. But it's kind of a journey of self-discovery, finding out who you are and who you want to be and who you can be.
2: Uh, yeah, sort of. I think I don't think I found it, the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was—it's it, it's a lot about kind of finding, you know, like you're saying, confused postcards, like being not working out where you're from, but. Being able to work away from, so you don't feel fixed to anywhere. But then, kind of wondering where your family roots are. But it's mostly about sort of sexual identity and masculinity, and trying to f- trying to find a place of comfort with those in the context of what we see as nature. I suppose it's it's quite hard to connect it all together in in some. Quite way.
1: hard to get all that on a
2: postcard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I don't know. I think I think sort of uh, blurred meanings and, and and double meanings. Postcards are full of those actually, and, and trying to sort of. Sometimes they're things that you can't quite pin down So I think maybe, there's, maybe there is a connection there I don't know Very good, very good Well thank you for sharing your attic finds with us Thank later. you uh, Simon, what's the final card you've got for us?
3: Oh, look um, It's again not a postcard from me or to me It is a postcard of Kazan in Russia A place that I can pretty much guarantee Nobody in the audience has ever been to <laughs> um, And it's a pretty ropey postcard artistically There's a lot of sky Nice
4: clouds. Yes, It looks
1: real to me. The skies yeah. are very often not real. That looks real. In Russia, everything was real. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, everything is real and everything is possible.
3: I, I brought it along because of the poignant message on the back and also because it's perhaps illustrative of the um, bizarre things that, that, that happen to one's life because of odd things that happened earlier. So having... Just narrowly avoided obliteration in a nuclear war, courtesy of the Soviet Union. What does Crawley do? It says, "Let's teach everybody Russian, because clearly <laughs> the um, uh, the future of the uh, the world is going to be that uh, that that you're going to have um, yeah, the UK and America, and you're going to have the Soviet Union, and that will be the great superpower. So we've got to learn Russian. So me and my lovely elder sisters and everybody else I know all learned Russian." As a
1: foreign language. This was just Crawley Council going out on their own. saying Well, I think it might. More specifically, it might have been Thomas Bennett School. Uh, I Went off on the one, largest thinking, school in Britain at the time. It, it
3: was. Oh, you've done your research, yes. <laughs> um, so, so. Uh, uh, as a result of that, um, anybody else in from Russia? No, I thought not. Um, so uh, I, I don't speak, I, I speak terrible Russian, but it doesn't matter because I speak better Russian than you, Tom.
4: Fact, <laughs> fact.
1: And, fact.
3: and, and so uh, I keep going back there, partly because I'm trying to make sense of the largest country in the world. And these postcards are absolutely typical. And during the 1980s, um, and I'm guessing it was 1980s because uh, it cost 10 kopecks and it was in colour. Uh, 10 kopecks, well, it depends whether you were buying your rubles on the black market, but it would have been either a penny or a tenth of a penny. Um, uh, and we shared postcards with them, but that was all we shared with them. And here we have a message on the back, someone saying... Um, Quoting a line from a Russian classic, I'm afraid I don't know which one, um, it's easy to love Russia when it's rich and powerful, but come to like it when it is old and weak, as if an old mother. Just in adversity, one becomes acquainted with one's real son's love. So an enigmatic mm-hmm. message, I presume written by somebody, I found this in a second-hand shop because I do accrue postcards, <laughs> but it, uh, I spend... Now, quite a lot of time in Russia, partly because I can feel smug because I can read the street signs and get around uh, on and the metro.
1: partly because you're a Soviet agent.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I happened to have been there three times last year because, because of the uh, World Cup, where I went out to Kaliningrad, having bought a ticket for the Croatia-Nigeria game because it was the only way to get in to Russia without a visa in my lifetime. And uh, suddenly, say what you like about uh, Vladimir Putin... Day of the final, he says, Ah, comrades, all you football fans, you can come back any time you want to before the end of the year. Just show your ticket, effectively, and we'll let you back in. So I've been uh, travelling around Russia like nobody's business. (laughs) But uh, it it remains a great place to travel, a great enigma, and uh, somewhere that is going to be very, very difficult to get to because now you have to go and get fingerprinted and photographed and so on.
1: And with with the complexities of the Russian relationship to... uh... American politics and possibly to British politics. How, how do you feel about that? Oh, well,
3: look, I'm just a tourist. <laughs> and uh, and being a tourist is in, in Russia is a very, very good thing to be. It's always been a good thing to be because at the era of this postcard, um, you would go in on in-tourist holidays or even better, progressive tours. Anybody here? been on a Progressive Tours holiday. Oh, where did you go, madam?
4: Moscow and Leningrad.
3: Moscow, and it cost about two and sixpence, <laughs> and it was subsidised by the Kremlin, and uh, the Progressive Tours was basically a kind of uh, a front for, for, for the Soviet soft power. It was great, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah that was you,
3: you would fly there on Aeroflot, you would be put in... Um, in tourist hotels, and by the way, I've just been out to a great one in Stalingrad. The the Stalingrad Hotel, founded in 1955, which technically I was too, um, and it's it, it, it it's all still there, and it costs almost nothing, and it's it's um, terrific. But Progressive Tours was was a way of kind of trying to come to terms with with the Soviet Union, which remains, I think, in once we get a bit more distance, we'll think, what the heck was all that about? <laughs> But unfortunately, the Russians seem to be going into a quite a, an interesting time themselves.
1: Yes. Yeah, so well, I'm, I'm happy that you have such an optimistic view of, um, of the politics of Russia at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to agree with you. Um, well, look, thank you both so much for contributing today. Uh, I'm delighted that you shared your cards uh, with me, with the listeners, and with the audience here. Um, another quick reminder, the images of the cards um, that sent us into those stories um, are all on the blog, UK including one last one from me, which is in the past postcard style, uh, which you know from Twitter and the book. And this is a card of Anglesey in Wales, off Wales, yeah. 1986. So a nice serene scene. Sky a cloud very similar to your Russian one, actually, Simon. Now, just trying to work it myself what amused me about this. There was something. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. It's an insight into, um, I guess, a a small boy. I'm not sure. No, no, a young man, a relative. (coughs) Lawrence is making his first excursion into the realms of organisation. I can't decide whether he'll grow up to be a red coat or a black shirt. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to describe a relative. It's quite uh, insightful. I know people like that. But um, anyway, that's what they were considering
4: what during ch- the. What a... yeah. It's good. It?
1: But also, are those are those the two choices in life? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Uh, before we send Simon and Luke back out into the wilds of Crystal Palace, I've got one more postcard for you both, for you all, for everyone at home. Uh, it's become customary for us to end the program with one of these. Um, I don't know if you've seen one of these, gentlemen. Yeah, so oh, yeah. Re- real thing here.
2: Yeah, a friend of mine uh, in Poland oh, buys these and he, he does DJ sets on them. Ah, oh. they, they they d- they sound really really uh, hectic.
1: In Poland they so. have Commercial records on them, bootlegged, I
2: think. Yeah, so, but uh, so. yeah, lots of different different things. Right? Th- yeah. This is
3: is a. Uh, I presume you play it at forty-five. Do you? Uh,
1: that um, is, I think, forty-five.
2: It, yeah. yes. I
3: remember forty-five. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. So this is. An How's your German, record. Simon?
4: Uh, uh, you your German should be all right. Then? Still enough. Si- oh, so we've so actually Holy got. Night, isn't it? Yes, yeah. you've
1: got got the words uh, for Silent Night. This is what, bizarre. What could be more seasonal? for a a podcast destined to be broadcast in springtime. Have you tried playing it? Uh, Well, yes, we have. Ah. And um, let me just see if we can make a digital recording of that happen. Ah, the church bells. Slightly mournful. Don't feel obliged to sing, Simon.
3: Uh, well, no, I'm just absolutely gripped by the <laughs> incredible uh, list of, uh, of, of of pictures on the front. So there's 17 of them. Oh, look. So what are the pictures of? Uh, well, you've got uh, mostly memory chapels here, I'm Ooh. afraid. Oh, and Weigran, or Weigran, the lovely mountain village. Here, Josef Moore lived and worked and died, sadly, in 1848. Poor old um, Josef. <laughs> That's fair. Do you have any of these in your collection? I, 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 I don't, um, but I must say, if, I, if I'm if i allowed to, um, the most poignant line, I think, on the entire postcards from the past Twitter feed was, <laughs> and it doesn't matter which card it is, the weather is very pleasant and I'm doing my best to conceal the sadness that is inside me.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, 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 someone said it, someone felt it. Well as the seasonally inappropriate cardboard choir (laughs) sing their Christmas carol at 45 revolutions per minute. That's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Luke Turner and Simon Calder. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you at home for listening. uh, (laughs) And thanks, of course, to the good people of Crystal Palace here at the Bookseller Crow. Bye for now. Yay! You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me at PastPostcard. And you can buy the book Postcard from the Past by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk.